0: hope you are well, I'm Carlos Carnicero-Uravallin and I want to welcome you all to Futurist Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funcas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. The European Commission recently launched an investigation into whether to impose punitive tariffs to protect European Union producers against cheaper Chinese electric vehicles, which the Commission thinks are benefiting from state subsidies. So to understand more about what's going on here with this investigation that the Commission is doing, which can have uh, an important impact overall into the EU-China relations. We are joined today uh, by Sander Tordoir, senior economist at the Center for European Reform. Uh, thank you for joining us, Sander. Thanks, Carlos. Great to be here. Excellent. Welcome back. Um, so, Sander, perhaps we can start with um, some basic facts here, and I'd like to we'd like to know what are the key factors uh, behind the European Commission decision to investigate the impact of state subsidies on on chinese electric vehicles coming to europe
1: right so maybe i start with a quote um because it was quite a remarkable one because the um the ceo of ford motor company james farley on a call with investors last month said and i quote something monumental happened in our industry where china became the number one exporter of vehicles globally it had always been the Germans and the Japanese. And so I think in a sense that that reveals the big shift that's going on in car trade. Um, if you look at Chinese car exports in 2019, before the pandemic, they exported less than 70, 750,000 passenger vehicles in total. Um, and that's half the number they exported in just the f- first five months of this year. So, another way of saying that is they used to export cars worth around 1 billion a month, and it's now at 8 billion a month. So, it's sort of gone times 8. Um, now, the US is walled off for Chinese EV exports because President Trump imposed a tariff of 27.5% on Chinese vehicles, which is much higher than the EU's current tariff on electric car imports, which is around 10%. And so this is sort of the, the big picture in which this investigation was opened. And the reason is that there is a lot of research showing that there were very, very large Chinese subsidies uh, lavished out to its car sector and it particularly electric car sector. Some estimates put it around 50 billion over the past decade or so. And the Chinese government ha- has announced another 70 billion in tax breaks for EVs and other green technologies recently and so the, the story here is essentially that in part helped by their prescient and smart bet on electric vehicles and earlier than others and in part helped by these massive subsidies um, china has become a massive car exporter in in just a few years and the eu which officially considers the china china to be a partner and and but also a systemic rival is worried about that and the French in particular have been calling for an investigation into these subsidies for quite a while, whereas Germany had, had taken a much more cautious approach. And I think that kind of goes back to the fact that essentially French car makers aren't exporting all that much to China, nor are they active in terms of producing in China, whereas the German car sector is very heavily invested in China. but. Whatever the case may be, von der Leyen basically backed the French approach in her State of the Union speech and uh, announced what was probably the most important policy element of that speech, which was this new anti-subsidy investigation.
0: Well, the the shift uh, that you are describing very well is massive. Uh, And what about the impact in Europe? I mean, I, I imagine many of those cars that you are saying that China is now exporting, particularly after the pandemic, are going to many markets, but I guess an important uh, percentage of them are going to Europe.
1: So what, what is the impact here for the European producers? So I would distinguish between two elements. One is the cars that are really going to Europe itself. And the other point of, at least economically, I don't know if it's part of the legal case, but economically, of course, it also matters if car exporters from the EU are outcompeted in third markets in Asia or elsewhere, right? And so if you look at the European domestic market, the the penetration of Chinese uh, imports is still somewhat limited. So the commission says that 8% of electric vehicle sales in Europe are Chinese made vehicles. Um, And half of those are of European and American owned brands that are manufacturing in China, like Tesla and BMW and some uh, Chinese owned groups. Um, And so indigenous Chinese brands are still relatively unpopular in Europe, right? Um, So I think that's an important thing to note. But I would say economically, and this is often the source of confusion. What matters is really where things are produced, right? And so a lot of the journalists say, oh, this is bad for German car firms that may be true, but it may not necessarily be bad or good for the workers and sort of the GDP view of the world, right? So I think it's very important that we keep in mind, are you talking about the firm as a multinational or are you talking about, let's say, the company and, and where it's actually producing? Now, the other dimension is is the international one, right? And so across the globe, clearly the, the, the Chinese car shock is making itself felt, right? And so even if the Imports to Europe are across the board relatively limited. Although, if you look at specific markets, like in Spain, it's higher. In in Norway, it's quite high, even though it's not an EU country, but still. So, so there's a lot of variation there.
0: What is the what is the position of? I'm curious about the the, the brands, the European brands that actually are producing cars in China, and how how do you know? I've, I may, you may not know this, but I'm I'm tempted to ask you they see with positive eyes this investigation or rather they are concerned that it may affect them?
1: Um, So Tesla exports its Model 3 to Europe from a Shanghai plant. Renault exports some Dacia springs to Europe that are built in China. BMW exports its China-built iX3. And some Volvo models as well as Polestar models sold in Europe are built in China. Just to give you a sense, Right. Um, So that's one sort of family of firms. And then there's, of course, the Volkswagens of the world that produce heavily in China for China. Right. So Volkswagen gets about 35 percent of its revenue from China. A lot of that's actually built in China. And so there you go again. It's these are not actually related to German jobs per se. This is related to Volkswagen's bottom and top line. Right. And so these companies, some of them are concerned. So I think that the fear on the part of some of these German firms is that if the Commission were to find uh, that there has been undue subsidy-fueled competition from Chinese-built vehicles and they would go to some sort of measure, that the Volkswagens of the world and even BMW, Mercedes would be worried about retaliation by the Chinese, right, and that could take various forms the Chinese could retaliate with tariffs of their own. Even if the Commission has a legally sound case and can prove to the World Trade Organization that there has been uh, sort of unfair pra- trade practice, that doesn't mean that the Chinese will not retaliate anyway, right? Even if they don't have a right to. So BMW, Mercedes might be worried that they still produce in Germany an export to China and that some of that may get hurt. Volkswagen might be worried that the Chinese government will pressure them in China where they're producing a lot, right? So, so it's mainly the German firms that are really worried. I think the French firms, again, most of their exports go to Europe and France is a net car importer, unlike Germany. And so there's much more, I think, support for a strong... Push against the Chinese subsidy spree.
0: Uh, thanks, Sander. Uh, you you a, You talked about the impact on the manufacturers, but I was going to ask you in case the Commission finds out uh, th- there's something wrong here in terms of how China is, is subsidizing their the car industry, and in fact they they go ahead and have, have tariffs. What will be the impact on European consumers? Because I I guess uh, I would assume. Uh, prices of some of the cars that they, they are buying would go up.
1: Uh, is there anything else here? No, I mean, I think that's the main thing. And, and to some extent, the European consumers may lose some choice. Right. Another another channel through which things could get a bit hairy is that a lot of the batteries that are put even in European built factories are sourced from China. Right. And so if China were to impose some form of countermeasures and make these batteries more expensive, that in turn would also feed into higher costs of European built vehicles. So it's hard to predict exactly how it will pan out and much will depend on the the shape of measures that the commission will take. And that's my main source of concern is that essentially trade policy is a European competence. So the commission could impose tariffs or increased tariffs. But I think a much more elegant approach to counter Chinese mercantilism would be to basically replicate the American and Chinese approach of having of, of retargeting your consumer subsidies for electric vehicles and having certain conditions built in. So essentially a built Europe or built by allies clause that you could design more elegantly by saying, for example, you you only get a consumer subsidy for an EV if the car is not produced with a lot of dirty energy, right? And in China, they use a lot of coal. So, so you could make it very subtle, and it could even, if you're very smart about it, potentially be WTO compliant. I think that's the much more smart approach, but the problem for the commission is they don't have a European industrial policy that they can put to bear. So if you... if if we had a strong
0: uh, industrial policy in Europe, probably wouldn't be bothering about this uh, investigation. Into, um, is this the, the root cause? Is our is our weakness in, in overall in this lacking an industrial policy to to match our dimension in Europe as a whole?
1: I I think it's a big problem, and and certainly in this area, the shape of the counter reaction may end up being tariffs by default, because that's something that's a European competence, when a smart redesign of subsidies from our side could be much more effective and would actually lower the chance of retaliation. Because then if Beijing were to complain, you can say, well, what's the problem here? We're just doing the same as you and the Americans, right? And so it becomes a lot more subtle and a lot more difficult for them to argue for retaliatory tariffs. Uh, but yeah, as you say, that's a national competence. And so if the Commission were to go down that route that I think is more promising in terms of policy design, then you have to n- basically get all 27 EU member states together and perfectly align your policies so that you don't have a sort of gaping hole in the single market somewhere. And so that that's not that straightforward. It's possible, I think, via coordination between the member states, but it's much more difficult because you don't have a European toolbox on the shelf that you can bring to bear.
0: Um, Sander, so one, one last question about the, the overall uh, geopolitical dynamics here. Uh, where, where does this conversation we're having fall in this geo- geopolitical broader picture? So we're seeing t- tensions between China and the EU are growing. Uh, what role does the electric vehicle industry play in this uh, new geopolitical dynamics, especially considering that Beijing has closer ties with Moscow and relations with Russia has basically collapsed for the reasons
1: we all know uh, since 2022. So any thoughts on that? Well, this is not my data, but I I saw some interesting analysis um, from Joseph Politano showing that Russia actually has become one of the most important, if not the most important consumers of Chinese built vehicles. And so the geopolitics is basically directly shaping the trade flows on vehicles and electric vehicles, uh, because it's hard for China to export to the US, as I said in the beginning, and the Europeans are starting to grumble, uh, whereas Russia, of course, is having difficulties buying cars and other types of goods from the west and so they're now buying a lot of chinese vehicles so it's already it's already sort of intrinsically linked and it's starting to show up in in the trade data i think the bigger the bigger question here uh, that the americans have and that the europeans are breaking their head over is to what degree do you want to have a sovereign supply chain of the kind of goods you need for the for the energy transition and there's a lot of trade-offs right because if you go full protectionist, that means that the cost of goods will be higher. And so you actually slow down the green transition. On the other hand, if you let China get away with some of its pretty tough mercantilist practices, then you may risk losing out on the industries of the future. And so that's the sort of tedious balancing act that both the Americans and Europeans are trying to find. The Americans are are more militant, and so they... They basically walled off their market for Chinese cars. they trying to nudge their companies to buy um, ba- batteries for cars and other green goods sourced from within the US or North America or from allies like Korea and the EU. And so they are going a bit, bit more dramatic. Uh, the Europeans have set set sort of similar goals, but haven't backed it up with a kind of Inflation Reduction Act with lots of protectionist clauses built in, and so if you put it on a spectrum, you basically have the U.S., Europe in the middle, and China on the other side. And Europe remains a bit more open to business for for China, um, and maybe th- I I don't think that's necessarily a bad routine for the U.S. to have a good cop and a bad cop, in part because the Europeans are f- are far ahead of the U.S. on the production of green technologies, and so we can be a bit more relaxed, I think, whereas the U.S. is really catching up. And in part, it helps, I think, in terms of moderating any any relations and being a bit the the sort of moderate broker in the middle. As long as you keep China, give them some access to Europe's rich consumer market, it may moderate their geopolitical behavior. And so that that's the sort of fragile, tedious, Geopolitical dance that I see at the moment around this issue of EVs and more widely the the green the race for the green technologies of the future.
0: And quite, uh, you described that very well. Quite a dilemma indeed to to go for the full protectionism, uh, but with the right with the right means or rather for a, for a globalized approach, with the implications that that would have. I think you you covered that very well. Um, Sander, we'll keep an eye on this investigation because obviously it's going to have it has ramifications on other important economic and geopolitical areas. So it was it was great having you. It was great having you on the show, and I'm sure we'll have time in the future to go back to this topic. So um, uh, thanks a lot. Let me remind everyone: Sander Toswaar is senior economist at the Center for European Reform. Thanks a lot, Sander.
1: Thanks a lot, Carlos.
0: Thank you all for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funcas Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero uravallan and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all, and stay well.